Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jesse, and you are listening to the Built for More podcast, where each week we bring you conversations with elite performers, with business disruptors, with thinkers, with athletes, and more. And we try to basically pick their brains and get insights to help equip our listeners with the knowledge that our guests have learned over the years. And today we have a really cool and interesting guest. He's a journalist and writer named James Nestor. Now, you may have read his writing in magazines like Outside, Men's Journal, Scientific America, uh, Dwell, The New York Times. He's been on NPR and In the Atlantic, The San Francisco Chronicle, and a ton of others. And he's getting a lot of attention for his most recent book that's called Breath. The New Science of a Lost Art. Now, uh, for this book, James Nestor kind of traveled the world and talked to a, a lot of different people in different fields, uh, from medicine to people who are into fitness and kind of holistic health, and, and gleaned what they learned about proper breathing techniques and how it can honestly transform a lot of different parts of your life. You know, breathing is something that I think, unless you're actually thinking about and, and wanting to kind of learn about, something we kind of take for granted. But as you'll hear in this conversation with James Nestor, uh, learning to breathe properly and implementing some of these practices can have a pretty dramatic effect on your overall health and your ability to perform day to day and to get good sleep. It's a really interesting conversation. I really appreciated James Nestor coming on. Like I said, if you enjoy the conversation, be sure to check out the book, Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art. Here is part of our conversation with James Nestor. We can jump right in. It's such an interesting topic. And I, I listened to part of your interview a few weeks ago on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. And, you know, you mentioned that the idea for, you know, kind of investigating breathing kind of came after you. Uh, you know, we're kind of suffering from respiratory issues after kind of surfing frequently. When when you started the journey for for breath, did you kind of have any idea that it would take you down so many sort of interesting rabbit holes? It seems like a topic like if someone asked me like, "Hey, you can do a, a, a deep dive on breathing," I didn't I didn't realize like how deep that could go. Well, in nonfiction, you submit a proposal. First, before you do anything. So, and that proposal is like 50 pages. So I spent a lot of time building this proposal. I said, I've got this thing figured out. I've got the subject. I know the experts in the field. About six months into it, I threw that entire thing out, wow. all of my workout, because it got so much more vast and so much stranger than I had ever, ever thought. Kept taking me down these very odd avenues of research, which I just kept getting more and more invested in and curious about. And so this, this book took a long time and uh, I had no idea this stuff was out there. And it wasn't really until I really started digging in that I realized there was a much deeper, stranger story to be told. You know, it obviously involved a lot of traveling and kind of meeting with different people. At what point did you, was that moment of realization like, man, this is bigger than I thought it was topically? I think it was, I was out in New York and I was just doing standard interviews with people that I had talked to before on the phone and going through the motions a bit. And one of these researchers said, it was, he's like, yeah, well, you have crooked teeth because our, our faces have changed as a species. Hmm. What are you talking about? And he said, yeah, we've been evolving all wrong. Hmm. So that doesn't make any sense to me because evolution, the way I had understood it, the way I learned it in school was this straight path forward, right? You're yeah. always getting better and better and leaner and meaner and totally, totally wrong. So hmm. our species, especially 
has not been evolving forward, progressing so much. We've just been evolving sideways. Mm. So this was especially apparent when you start looking at the human face. And so I ended up in these labs surrounded by ancient humans. They had these huge mouths, these very powerful jaws. And if you look at a modern skull, look at my skull, crooked teeth, weak jaw, flat face. Hmm. So all these changes happen in a few hundred years. And that's really what was a jumping off point for me to want to explore the deeper story, which to me was, why are so many of us breathing so poorly? And why do we have so many of these chronic diseases because of that? Is the the evolutionary changes because of sort of industrialization and technology and just sort of differences in lifestyle and diet? Same old evils, you know, Uh, those have been explored. Uh, Diet has been explored in regards to nutrition and growth. And we all know that by now it's like industrialized mush is crappy for you. Sorry, everyone out there eating (laughs) Twinkies. Like that's just the, the reality. You can argue against it, but you're wrong. But I had no idea that that related to the crookedness of yeah. our teeth or yeah. that related to breathing problems. How does, how does industrialized food lead to breathing problems? Got really curious, took a deep dive into it and discovered some really wacky stuff. And, and, and specific to that correlation, is it, is it the, the food itself or is it kind of the moving away from being hunters and being agrarian to just being able to open something with little effort? Is that kind of what sparked the respiratory changes? Well, I think it's a lot of those things, but the main culprit that I discovered was the lack of chewing. Hmm. So if you think about industrialized foods, you think about flour, white flour, bran and germ removed. You think about rice, bran and germ removed. So you just have this polished little seed. You think about canned stuff, jarred stuff, candies, cakes, baked stuff. All of them require very little chewing. And our ancestors were chewing, grinding it out about four hours a day, which is why they developed all this musculature and all this, all this bone, yeah. which is why they grew proper mouths. And all of our ancestors before 300, 400 years ago, they almost universally had perfectly straight teeth. Mm. One of the researchers said she has never seen a hunter gather with crooked teeth ever, mm. ever. So it's just amazing. Yeah, how just a few environmental inputs, how they can have such a tragic and huge effect on our overall health. And I feel like out of all, out of a lot of biological functions that we can consciously control, breathing is probably the one that we think about the least. Like if I'm chewing something, it's irritating my jaw or, you know, there's thought that goes into a lot of it, but breathing you know, up until I was kind of exposed to the idea through your book and I did an interview on this podcast with uh, her name's Gabby Reese. She's married to uh, her and her husband, Laird Hamilton. You know, Laird. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they have this, uh, their whole like, they have a wellness program, but breathing is an essential, it's like four pillars, breathing being one of them. And, you know, she kind of talked, it wasn't until I did an interview with her and she kind of really broke it down that I ever really thought about it. For people that aren't really aware of what improper breathe, the consequences of improper breathing are, you know, how would you explain if they're, whether it's they're someone who just naturally kind of breathes through their mouth or someone who just doesn't ever consciously do any sort of respiratory exercises, what are the consequences of improper breathing? 
Well, first of all, it's a great thing that we don't have to think about our breathing all the time. Yeah. Right. It can just run in the background like a software program. We just unconsciously are able to breathe and that's great. But it's also detrimental to our health when we are breathing unconsciously in really unhealthy ways, which is what so many of us have become accustomed to doing. So there's a laundry list of problems associated with poor breathing. If you took like the top 20 diseases right now in the U.S., almost all of them can either be seen to have gotten worse with poor breathing or in some cases are caused by poor breathing. Hmm. This includes crazy stuff like diabetes. How the hell is diabetes a part of poor breathing? Well, when you have sleep apnea and you are (laughs) and you're constantly stressed out and your adrenaline spikes and your blood sugar spikes after a while, insulin becomes less sensitive to blood sugar and you have diabetes. So It, it just has a, a downstream effect on every system in our body. And we breathe, the average person will breathe something like 20,000, 25,000 times a day. And if you're doing that incorrectly, your body will find ways of staying alive, but that doesn't mean you are healthy. And there's mm. a very big difference between those two things. After a while, your body just starts breaking down. We're seeing that all over the place. In addition to the physical effects of, you know, because I think a lot of it comes down to mouth breathing or, uh, you know, breathing too much, not not being kind of measured in your breathing, you know, in addition to what's happening kind of on a, on a physical level, you know, there's, you've also found a correlation between psychology when it comes to like stress and anxiety. Can you explain that a little? Because I think a lot of people would be pretty shocked to know that if they are breathing incorrectly, particularly they're breathing too much it can actually make them more high-strung, essentially. So in the connections between the brain and the rest of the body, about 20% of those connections, those signals, are coming from the brain to the body. But 80% are coming from the body and feeding those signals to the brain. So what is happening here is going to influence how the brain reacts, influence what we do. So if we take conscious control of an unconscious function of our breathing and our diaphragmatic movement, and we breathe in a way that we breathe when we're very relaxed or rested or comfortable, we send signals back up to the brain to, hey, chill out. Everything's okay. You can enter a different state. We can turn off stress by changing the way Mm -hmm. in which we breathe. And this has been widely studied. You don't need to go into a lab to see this. If you have a heart rate variability monitor, if you even are looking at your pulse, if you have a pulse oximeter, most people have those nowadays, you can just breathe in a relaxed way and see what happens to your pulse, see what happens to your blood pressure, see what happens to your heart rate variability. And it happens like that. Mm. So if that's after just a couple minutes of changing your breathing, and inducing the state of relaxation and healing within your body. Imagine what will happen for a couple of days of doing this or a yeah. couple of weeks. And we're seeing this. We're seeing these people who are able to either abate the symptoms of so many chronic problems or sometimes, quote unquote, cure themselves by changing the way in which they're breathing, which may sound woo-woo, but it makes perfect sense if you look at medicine, if you look at how the body works. You know, a lot of uh, people who, a lot of guests on our podcast are people who are in the kind of the elite performance space. So a lot of like, we've had a lot of Navy SEALs, a lot of CEOs, a lot of endurance athletes, you know, and and listeners really try to glean insights from them. But a lot of them are 
about self-discipline and, you know, psychology, you know, tools that they can use for someone that's like, okay, I, this sounds like something that could really help my day-to-day life, but they're someone who has a full schedule and may, you know, what would you say are some basic steps that they can get in alignment with how we're, we're, we're designed to breathe, not how we're conditioning ourselves to do it. To me, this is the best thing about breathing. Okay. It's free. Anyone can adopt healthy habits. Doesn't like take a lot of time. Doesn't take a lot of effort. When you ask someone to change their diet, you're asking them to change their lifestyle. So mm-hmm. we know that switching from processed foods to paleo or keto or vegan or vegetarian, there's huge benefits to doing that if you're, you know, eating Cheetos or driving down manwiches every day. Yeah. But that's asking people a lot. And people who do make that switch, yeah, they're going to see huge benefits. It's also asking a lot if someone's used to sitting on their butt and watching Netflix all day to be like, you need to go out and walk 15,000 steps yeah. every single day. A lot of people aren't going to do it except for those self-starters who are already ahead of the curve. But to ask someone to just change their breathing in whatever they're doing, they're sitting at their desk in front of a computer, in front of a Zoom call, if they're watching Tiger King, if they're walking around, to change your breathing and change those habits and have a huge benefit. And our breath is something we carry with us all the time. So that's why I believe that we have to be considering, if we're talking about health, true health, there's exercise for sure. There's what you eat. There's food. There is how you sleep. And breathing has to be one of those pillars because mm-hmm. you can do all those things right. But if you're not breathing right, you're never, ever going to be healthy. Now, you know, in addition to be a writer, you, like I said, you're also a surfer and an athlete and an active person that, that lives what I can imagine is a pretty busy lifestyle. When you started incorporating some of the things that you learned on this journey into your own life, what what did you see personally when it comes to just you know n- not just how you felt but how you thought like was there did you think more clearly was there any did you, what what kind of results did you see yeah so you know i exercise a lot i was sparring for about 10 years i surf a lot i eat the right stuff try to get proper sleep try to chill out as much as as much as i can but Back at the time when I was really starting to clue into breathing, I was still getting sick. I was still having all of these chronic problems, a lot of respiratory problems, pneumonia, mild-grade pneumonia, bronchitis. Mm. I was like, why is this happening? And mostly what I heard, it's like, middle-aged dude, get used to it. It's a downward spiral. I said, no, that doesn't quite seem right. So when I started exploring breathing and looking at how it can influence or, or basically hack into so many different functions, taking control of that breath, you know, we can't control how our heart beats. We can't control how our liver functions or how our stomach digests food. We take control of our breathing. We can influence all those functions directly and almost instantaneously. So realizing that breathing is the thing that's really tying all of these different functions together. Why not take advantage of that? And just just to be clear, I'm I'm a reporter, so I'm a science journalist and I don't pick sides here. So there's no benefit for me to say, hey, everyone should go out and nasal breathe right now. Uh, you know, or everyone should go out and overbreathe right now. My my job and the reason 
why people come to read my stuff is because I'm objective. I'm not picking sides. And if the science changes, I'm going to announce that. I'm going to revise things and say, hey, the science has changed. This is the new thing that, that's come out. So being in that objective position is really liberating because yeah. you're able just to go into the field, talk to the talk, top experts, really look at the science and, and get the story. And what, what I've found is so much of the story that we've been hearing so far just is not the complete story with, with breathing. And um, that was something that I got very invested in and, and wanted to, to go and tell people about. And obviously, I got pretty emotionally invested in it as well because I wanted to fix my own body. And yeah. so I, I gauged that along, along the way as well. Why do you feel like it's something that's so poorly understood? I think that a lot of people poo-poo it. I think that a lot of breath work has been taken over by a certain culture who was not very interested in the actual science. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm saying they have seen these practices work miracles with their, with their clients, okay? So why do they care what lab report says what, right? Yeah. They, they know this stuff works. Empirical studies, it's powerful stuff. But I wasn't as interested in understanding what was happening with one particular person's life story or even what was happening just in my body. I'm not so interested in memoir. I wanted to understand what happens to everyone's bodies when yeah. we breathe in certain ways and how all of us can benefit from this stuff. So the personal stories are really tried to put to the side and look at the core science of this thing. This is how breathing works. This is how it's been misunderstood. This is how to use it to be able to do a whole bunch of things that we had been told were scientifically or medically impossible. Mm -hmm. Guess what? They're totally possible. And that's what the new science of breathing is showing us. And, and the other thing that's really surprising is how, you know, with really basic steps, the average person can really kind of change their understanding of what is possible. You know, you, you know, there's people in the book who can hold their breath for these tremendous amounts of times. And, you know, I know you've written about like free diving and, and, and things like that, where the, you know, the average person, I, I don't know what the, the average is in terms of what they can hold their breath. But if you told a person on the street, like, Hey, you can, I, I can teach you to hold your breath for three or four minutes. Most people be like, that sounds crazy. It, what was the most surprising when it came to the far limits of this thing to you? Well, so many people are skeptical, which is, awesome. Keep your skepticism and look at the science. I think you have to have those two things. You have mm -hmm. to be an open-minded skeptic, but be skeptical for sure, because there's so much garbage being banded around everywhere, especially online. So when you tell people that, hey, after a few hours of practice, anyone in decent health can hold their breath two and a half, three, four minutes, they say, wow. But then you see someone hold their breath for 12 minutes, you say, what are we missing out on? Yeah. See someone take a single breath of air and dive into the ocean and disappear and dive down 300, 400 feet without fins on and come back to the surface and be fine. You think, have we really undersold our abilities? And the, the answer that I keep finding is, is yes. We've mm -hmm. been told that we can't develop internal organs, specifically the diaphragm. That's false. There's x-rays proving it. We've been told that the autonomic nervous system is automatic, as in beyond our control. That's false. We can control aspects of it. 
We control aspects of our immune function. We can even past the age of 30, we're told that we can't grow any more bone. We can't model bone. That's false. I showed that in my own, my own face. So mm. again, this isn't about pointing fingers. It's about acknowledging that science has no end. Okay. Mm. It doesn't end with a book. It is constantly moving forward and you have to adjust your viewpoint for whatever data is coming in and what science is saying. Uh, on a personal level, how, how long did it take you to kind of retrain yourself to, to breathe properly? I'm still retraining myself. You know, this is breathing is also, it's a limitless thing. Yeah. And that's what I think is fun with it. You don't master it in two weeks and say, okay, I'm going to move on to something else. It is something that can constantly grow with you and you feel the benefits immediately. That's another thing I love about it. It doesn't take three or four months to be like, oh, I feel better from that. It takes a couple minutes if you're wow. doing it right. And then you can feel better and better. And then you can see gains in performance. You can see your health improving. Again, this stuff is measurable. It's not just subjective, not just someone saying, yeah, I do feel better. That's great. It's look at the data, look yeah. at the measurements. And that's what's so thrilling for me. And I've got all kinds of machines in my house. And so I'm, I'm always checking out what's, what's happening. I just got this EEG you place on your head. And so I want to see what's happening in my brain waves in these really intense states of breathing. Yeah. And I haven't seen too many people researching that. And, and it's fascinating to be in the world we are now where so much of this technology, that thing would have cost $20,000 20 years ago. Yeah. You know? And now yeah. it's a few hundred bucks. So yeah, be skeptical, but also be open-minded and try these things out. They're, they're free. They're, they're freely available as well. And the science has shown very clearly that people can just show massive benefits from just even a few minutes of healthy breathing practices. I, I remember a few years ago, there was like sort of a, a trend of these like oxygen bars where people could go and kind of hook up almost pure or scented oxygen or something. And it seemed kind of gimmicky. Is, is there anything to that or is that just essentially expensive smells? Yeah. Um, so I had actually gone to an oxygen bar like 15, I'm in San Francisco, so there's all kinds of You're ahead of, this, of the curve, yeah, um, yeah. There's all kinds of this crap here. It always starts here. Afterwards, I said, wow, I feel amazing. What I was feeling was a placebo effect. Hmm. Uh, we've, we've known this for 100 years, yeah. and I talked to numerous pulmonologists, and medical professionals have known this too, but for some reason, the, the word hasn't gotten out. You're not doing anything. You're taking oxygen in and you're getting it out. A healthy body, okay? I'm not talking about someone at altitude. I'm not talking about someone who's sick or has COVID. Yeah. They need oxygen. They don't have enough tissue exchanging enough gas to get oxygen into their blood. So they need it. But for a healthy person to go and huff oxygen, it's doing about this much for my mm. body. Because I already have healthy levels, 97, 98% oxygen in my bloodstream. The key isn't to increase that by 2%. It's not going to do anything. You have to offload that oxygen into your hungry cells. And to do that, you need carbon dioxide, not mm. oxygen to do that. So what's happening with these oxygen bars is people are just inhaling oxygen and they're exhaling oxygen. I'm not saying they don't work. They work because it's air conditioned, yeah. smells super nice. The lighting is usually purple and turquoise and, and all that. You get to lay down and take a moment and focus on your breath. That's a powerful thing. 
but the oxygen just isn't doing much for you in that process. Yeah. Are, are there any sort of, and I hate to even use the word hack, but anything that people like years ago, I, I was training for like a marathon and you know, one of the guys I was training with was like, Hey, you should chew gum because it keeps your mouth occupied. And you know, it, it reminds you to kind of breathe through your nose and properly. Are there any sort of habits like that, that you've incorporated to help in the retraining process? Oh, there's so many habits. Um, that's what I tried to build the, the book around this foundation so that anyone can benefit from. doesn't matter if you're an ultra marathoner or you're an asthmatic. Uh, these are the things you can benefit from. So breathe through your nose all the time. There it is. If you can't do it, figure out a way of doing it. So Dr. Jack Ernayak had told me he's at Stanford, chief of rhinology research. He said, if a sink is, is clogged, you find a way of cleaning it out. And getting it flowing again. Yeah. Nose is considered the same thing. Breathe slowly, breathe more deeply, and breathe less. Mm. I know that seems counterintuitive. Breathing less, you're going to get less oxygen. The opposite is usually happening. Now, there is a way of possibly breathing way less and not having enough oxygen, but most of us are breathing way too much. Yeah. I, I feel like out of any time in my like adult life, more people are talking about breathing now than ever, largely because of the the pandemic. And you hear from people who are skeptical of, of the effect, how effective masks are kind of perpetuating this, uh, their idea that it just traps CO2 in and, and you're, you're doing a lot of damage. What would your comment be to someone who's wary of wearing masks? As someone who's an expert on breath, what would you say to someone who that is their reason for not wanting to wear a mask? Well, if that's their reason for not wearing a mask, they're wrong. There's, there's been numerous studies showing you don't get a decrease in oxygenation. Um, any slight, slight increase of CO2 is not doing anything to you. So I, I would say go, go look at the actual studies, the people who have looked into this. If they have some other reason to not wear a mask, okay, let's, let's talk about that. But, but again, this is stuff that's measurable. So I, I don't understand the, the controversy about yeah. so much of this um, related to breathing because it's such an easy thing to measure and people have measured it. It, it does matter what kind of mask you have, yeah. right? If you have some crazy mask with four layers of, of cotton, you know, that, that's going to make breathing harder. But, but most masks don't have that. And, and so I just, uh, I, don't, I don't fall for that argument. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and especially because there's professions that wear a mask pretty much all day, all day. despite that. All pandemic. day. Yeah. All day, and they wear pulse oximeters to look yeah. at their oxygen levels. Yeah. You know, so what I would suggest these people do is instead of investing all the emotional energy and arguing with people, go on Amazon or your local store, buy this thing, pulse oximeter. It's about 15 or 20 bucks. Breathe in your mask, put your finger in here, and you can see your blood sats mm. within a couple seconds. Yeah. And if you see your blood sats going way down, then obviously whatever mask you have is causing you some severe problems in breathing. But I have not heard of any mask that is being actively sold right now that other people have used that is causing this problem. So this is the stuff that, that just like befuddles me because yeah. it's so easy to test yeah. and it's cheap. Um, instead of just, you know, going on to YouTube and yeah. yelling at people, just do a little homework, everyone. Yeah. Real easy. 
Now, you know, obviously, uh, COVID-19 initially was thought to be a respiratory disease. I think our understanding of it has uh, expanded since then. But, you know, having incorporated some of these um, practices, do you feel that, you know, these proper breathing techniques kind of help the respiratory system, not just with coronavirus, but with a lot of disorders to preemptively, you know, fight a lot of the things that a lot of the uh, symptoms that people end up feeling when they, when they get infected by some of these respiratory illnesses? Oh, of, of course. You look at COVID, we know that people with com- comprised, who not comprised, compromised, sorry, been a long day, no, okay. uh, res- respiratory issues are going to be more apt to suffer from more severe symptoms of COVID. We know that. So by bolstering the health of your lungs and your respiratory health, you are going to be able to support yourself should you get this thing. Will breathing in a certain way stop you from getting COVID? No, it won't. But will it help you to better defend and and support your health during COVID? Absolutely. And, you know, I'm just going to contradict myself a little bit. Breathing through the nose is uh, helps release much more nitric oxide. And this is our first line of defense, okay? Mm-hmm. This is our filter. So Louis Ignaro, who won the Nobel Prize in the 90s for his work with nitric oxide, believes that breathing through the nose could, in fact, help prevent the onset of, of COVID from uh, us ingesting a heavy load of the virus. Wow. So those are his words, not, not mine. If you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. This thing filters things. It removes pathogens and it releases nitric oxide, which interacts directly with, guess what? Viruses. We know this from studies that have been done in the first round of SARS in 2004, I believe, where they exposed mammalian cells to nitric oxide and it lived much longer in the presence of nitric oxide. Mm. So that's a little technical, but breathe through the nose, everyone. Doesn't matter if you're running a marathon or you just want to better protect yourself. And if you you think about the physics of this, if you're breathing through the mouth, you're taking in so much more air, right? Mm. From a wider area. If you're calmly breathing through the nose, you're going to be taking in less air from a smaller area around you. And it's especially important breathing through the the nose, even when you're wearing a mask, um, is the way to go. Well, James, one thing we like to do on, on our podcast is sort of a lightning round, but it's some standard questions that we like to ask leaders and thinkers and people that come on. If it's okay, I, w- I want to fire a couple your way. I'm ready. All right. All right, James, what is the best advice that you've personally ever received, other than breathing through your nose, I'd say? Ambition is the last refuge of failure. Hmm. Unpack that for me. That that's I, I I'm like I'm trying I to thought un- it was a lightning round. No, no, sorry. Now, now I gotta explain yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> um, don't sit around and try to do stuff. Just just go out and do it. Don't mm. don't hem and haw. That's how I read into it. I also yeah. think it's quite funny. It's uh it's not so much advice that was given to me. It's a quote from Oscar Wilde. Mm. Uh, if you could go back 20 years and tell yourself something, what would it be? And we always give the caveat. It can't be like you know investing in. Tesla or Google or something. Oh, if I could go back 20 years, I would tell myself to do it all 100% differently. Hmm. I'm kind of joking. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't have a good, I didn't have a good answer. No, that's okay. Um, invest in Tesla. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Uh, what do you do personally when anxiety starts to creep in, no matter what venture you're doing? I immediately take control of my breathing. Hmm. 
If you look at populations of people with anxiety, panic, asthma, they breathe too much. They breathe through their mouths. Okay. Guess what happens when you get nervous and you have panic? (laughs) You have a panic attack. Okay. So don't breathe more, breathe less, breathe through your nose, breathe at a count of about six seconds in, six seconds out. That's going to send those positive messages from your diaphragm back to your brain to chill out. I have a feeling I know what the answer or one of the answers to this will be, uh, but what is one thing a person should do every single day? Be grateful for something. Mm. You can be grateful for, for your breath. Be grateful you're, you're still alive on this, this wonderful planet. Mm. What, is, what is the attribute every leader should seek to foster in themselves? Be flexible. Be willing to admit you're wrong when you're wrong. Be willing to change your views based on data and based on science and based on experience. That's how people grow. Mm, That's good. What is the best way to stay disciplined in the pursuit of your own passions? Ambition is the last refuge of failure. Mm. I mean, it really comes comes down to that. It's just a matter of, of doing stuff. Uh, you know, so many people have mentioned to me, like, how'd you become a writer? How'd you, I just did it a lot for a long time. I I worked on it for a long, long, long time. Mm. That whole Woody Allen quote, 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. Absolutely true. I I really believe in that. You just got to show up and do the work. Mm. What, What is the key in your opinion to staying optimistic? I think not to be persuaded by too many people that are trying to bring you down to a level that is not beneficial for for anyone. I think if you look at the wonderment of the human body, of this planet, of the universe, there's a lot to be optimistic about. Uh, I think our species has done a very good job on screwing things up, but that doesn't mean we can't go in and fix stuff mm. now. That's good. And, and, and the final question of lightning round, this is a standard question we ask every guest. Uh, if, uh, if you could issue listeners a one week challenge, it could be a different thing every day. It could be doing the same thing every day for a week, but, uh, uh, a challenge for one week, what would it be? Stop reading the news. Hmm. Uh, you know, I know you want me to say breathing or adjust your diet, but the unconscious brain influences so much of our physical health. I just was talking to Dr. David Haskam, who's been studying this stuff for decades. And he said that our brains process about 40 bits of information consciously and 20 million bits of information per second unconsciously. So if your unconscious brain is not healthy, it's going to constantly be pushing you in the wrong direction. He said one of the best things you can do to bolster immune health and mental health is stop reading the freaking news. Not all the time, just give yourself a week off, and I think you'll notice your stress levels, cortisol levels, <laughs> adrenaline levels just sinking down, which will allow you to breathe better, which will benefit you in so many other ways. That's great. That's advice I'm going to try to take because I do feel like every t- my like a lot of people open up Twitter first thing, and it's like, oh gosh, this is another day. And and, and James, as a science journalist, you know. It seems like there is unprecedented attacks on scientific institutions right now for a variety of factors. What are some progresses in science or new technologies on the horizon that leave you the most encouraged about the future? Uh, It's not very encouraging right now uh, when people are willingly ignoring 
data. They're willingly ignoring science and they're saying it's politically motivated or personally motivated. With so much of this stuff, if you can measure something, you can study it. If you can study it, you can prove if it's right or wrong. So yes, you have to look at who's studying it and how the measurements were taken, but that's what the scientific method does. So a lot of people saying science is dead or whatever, it's going to keep trudging on. What's what's starting to die a bit is our receptivity mm. to all of these amazing discoveries are, that are happening right now because of political reasons. But that's going to go away. Yeah. You can't argue with facts. You can't argue with different things occurring in the physical world that are measurable. So you just got to keep your head down, trudge on, and hope that we'll get over this hurdle and on to the next one. Are you, and this is not related to breathing, but I'm just curious as someone who, who studies not just science, but how the body interacts, what are your thoughts on Neuralink and, and what Elon Musk and his group are doing there with sort of uh, you know, creating technological interfaces with, with the brain and, and, and brain function? Yeah, I can't speak to that too, too much because I don't know that much about it, but the most sophisticated piece of technology in the entire universe that we've discovered is right here. So to think we need another piece of technology to add onto this incredible piece of technology, that to me seems a little odd, a little strange, a little unnecessary. Why don't we use what we already have, which is such amazing device here, and optimize this the way that nature had intended us to? Hmm. To think that we're going to be getting you know, a really step up on something else by starting to insert crap into our brains not a huge fan of it. Again, I don't know that much about it, but I would much prefer to optimize my body the way it was meant to be optimized, yeah. uh, to actually do the work and not to constantly look for shortcuts. Yeah. What, what are some scientific innovations or new technologies that have you the most excited as a, as a science journalist? Uh, driverless cars. Let's, let's be honest. I, I love old cars. I've got a 40 year old car out front of my house right now. Love the thing. But the idea of just to sit in a car and be able to read or nap or whatever, and not sit in traffic. I think that that's going to be a real game changer. And a lot of, uh, green technologies, solar technologies, we've had those for forever for 50 years, but the fact that we can actually bring them online in a big way and harvest so much of the natural energy in the universe and on our planet really excites me to no end. If, if we actually had leadership to go in there and bust this out, we could radically change our carbon footprint within a decade. Uh, let's just hope we have someone with the guts to go in and do that. Yeah. Are you, I know we, we, we mentioned optimism briefly, but just as someone who knows the political realities and social realities that are happening right now, but also know what, the, you know, scientifically and technologically is possible. Are you optimistic about, about the future, about where we're headed? Well, if you look at the last 500 years of human culture, human history, we've gone through much worse than we are now. The difference is that we have instruments to measure just how bad stuff is and how yeah. bad it's going to get. But again, if we've developed this stuff, these machines to ruin so much of the natural environment, I'm convinced we can start developing technologies to fix it 
we just need someone to to come in there and make that happen. I don't know a lot of people who want to live in a world that has an ocean that has no fish, has no whales, has no dolphins, you know, who want to live on land in a place with no bees and no birds and no buffalo. Um, but uh, maybe there are a few people, but they're old and they're idiots and they're going to die soon. So a new generation will just come over and hopefully start to fix things. Yeah. Well, James, I, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to chat and, you know, it's, it's such a cool book and I really appreciate your work and thanks for sharing it with us today. Thanks so much for having me. James is this very successful author, obviously, and he's done a lot of really good um, research and studies and scholarly, uh, he's produced scholarly works with regards to how breathing in this case can improve um, any number of things. And so, you know, at the most fundamental level, how we breathe has a direct um, and immediate impact on our mood and on our mental function, our physical performance. And so... um, just in talking with Jesse, it was very clear that um, James' research in this is probably unprecedented. Yeah, it's odd that something so simple hasn't had as much, that that makes such a big impact, hasn't had as much um, reporting done to it, it seems like. Yeah, and one of, the, one of the interesting things I thought he said, and this is so true, is that when you really think about it, elite performance is based on mastering the fundamentals and breathing is at the most fundamental level on, uh, not just on how we survive, but it's something that we overlook all the time. Right. Um, but when I broke it down and just thinking about this, when we, when our kids are worked up or when we're worked up, it's just breathe, right? It's just take a second and breathe. So even instinct instinctively, I think we go back, um, to the roots and and that becomes kind of our fallback position is that, hey, look, when things are getting stressful or heated, uh, when we're worked up, just falling back into those basic fundamental patterns of just, hey, let's just breathe deep for a second and take a step back and calm down for a minute. Yeah, it's great. Have you taped your mouth at night? No, is that a thing that people do? Yes, he's talked about it. He didn't talk about it on this podcast, but I've heard him talk about it and it's a big thing. I feel like if I did that, I would wake up terrified. Well, you do it because you fall into mouth breathing. Yeah, and then your throat gets sore. Yeah, I can't believe about uh, uh, how much filtration and everything happens to the nose. It's really crazy. So what are your big three takeaways from this podcast? Uh, for me, I think um, even whether you're operating as a um, on in the on, at the tier one levels in the military, or whether you're sitting behind a desk, it doesn't matter what you're doing on the day on the daily. Um, for me personally, I think taking a step back, and even just every few every 15, 20, 30 minutes, just hitting a mental reset and breathing deeply for a few minutes, because so often we're you know we're tr- working through a problem, whatever it is, whether it's something with business or something with home life. And just stepping back for a few minutes, taking a second to breathe, I think it's gonna it, it, it's gonna force oxygen, um, and 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 produce all the benefits that James talked about, right? Because it's not just about oxygen. There's other benefit to it on the physical level, um, feeling better throughout the day physically. So it's a it's a mental break, 
Um, number two, it's a physical break or a physical prep. So whether I'm, you know, whether you're doing a workout or something else to kind of get your body in that state of mind um, that you're, you know, about to, you know, just get to work. I think that's a big one. And then just overall mood. I think it changes your emotional state. Um, for me, it definitely has in the past where, you know, you just, if, if, if you take a step back emotionally, it can, um, it can be that reset button for you. So from a stress level, it manages that. Um, mental performance throughout the day, whether you're functioning at work, whether you're having a stressful day or not, I think it hits the reset performance-wise, physically, and then emotionally, for sure. Yeah. And then once you find out those uh, little tricks and, and, and uh, things to be conscious of, you realize how poor of a breather you actually are. Yeah, I think that's true. And Same with posture. I do it with posture all the time. Exactly, That's one yeah. that's really natural because you'll see yourself on a photo or something. Yeah. You'll be like, man, I got terrible posture. My back hurts. But with breathing, you don't realize it as much until you read something or listen to, to him speak. You're like, wow, I am bad at breathing. Yeah, yeah, and it is an intentional effort. Like, if you think about breathing enough, it can, it'll feel really strange at first when you're doing those exercises because it's something that, it's like blinking. When you start thinking about blinking, it feels very weird. Yes. Um, but with breathing, I think what he was talking about, just getting this practice in place for yourself for I think he said a few weeks we'll have to go back and look but that it create it can create that pattern where you know not only are you going to feel the effects over over that extended period of time but it's going to become more of a habit long term for yeah, you agreed man what a guest James Nestor if you haven't read the book you need to read the book seriously it will revolutionize the way you think about how you operate in general but uh really look at me we're going to be breathing deeper differently from now on i've been doing it deep breathing seriously yeah. exercises with and it's been it's been cool so um thanks everybody don't forget to subscribe check us out on instagram at this is ironclad or on youtube at this is ironclad subscribe like comment tell us who else you want to hear from thanks everybody